This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Good evening and welcome to tonight's No Name Ever podcast. Um, a little bit different today because we don't have Adam with us, so no producer, so no music, no sound effects or anything like that. But it should still be a good show. Obviously, there's the Rovers game to talk about. And my guests today are Kevin Robinson, James Bird, Andy Devaney and Patrick Walson. So we'll kick off with the Rovers game. Obviously, Burnley drew 1-1 in the derby. Um, James, what did you make of the game? We were robbed. I mean, just the easiest way to put it. Um... I think it was a, a typical Burnley Blackburn game from recent times in that I don't think either team had a, a huge number of click opportunities, but we were clearly the better side. Um, do you think we did enough to win the game then? We didn't create a great deal overall, did we? Uh, no, I think that's probably ultimately why we didn't win. Um, I was surprised when we only made one substitute as well. See, Junior did have an impact scoring, but. I thought that maybe we'd want to go a bit more attacking and probably take Scott Arfield off as well. After the equaliser, you mean, to try and get a win off? Well, even before, I, I, I thought we probably would have gone for it a bit more than we did, but we well, didn't. We'll talk about the substitutes a little bit more later. Um, Andy, you were quite upset after the match, weren't you? Have you calmed down now? Uh, just about. What did you make of the game? How do you think it went? Uh, again, I think I think we were robbed uh, totally and utterly yet again off them uh, cheating scumbags. Um, <laughs> I mean, if uh, if it was the opposite way around and it were Duff um, taking down uh, David Dunn, then we'd all be congratulating, I guess. But um, I think Lee Williamson should be banned for life from the turf. Well, again, we'll, we'll come on to that later. But um, the letter of the law, all the ref could do was send him off, I suppose. And like you say, if it was the other way around and Jordan Rhodes was thrown on goal, then we'd want Michael Duff or Jason Shackle to take him down. So it's a difficult one, but it, it does seem unfair when Ings was thrown on goal and probably would have scored. So, yeah, we'll come back to that later. No, probably. Kevin, well, you would back him, <laughs> wouldn't you? But you can't say it was definitely going to be a goal. Um, Kevin, we'll come to you. What, what did you think of the game? Do you think we were good value for the win, or was one, one all about fair? I think you could you could you could definitely make a case either way, but I think definitely overall we 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 edged it a lot more than they did. I think I think it was a really entertaining game overall. Actually, I think it did, despite not being loads of clear cut chances, I thought it was quite end to end a lot of the match. Uh, it was it was always there was always something going on. There was no real moments in the match where I think most matches you have a 10, 20 minute spell where nothing really happens. But I don't think that happened on Saturday. I don't know if it's just because of the tension of it being the Rovers match. It felt a little bit more exciting, but yeah, I thought it was a really entertaining match. But um, we, we we deserved a win. I can understand what Blackburn Rovers fans are saying, but they they stepped up in the second half. Yeah, we we were a lot more dominant in the first half than we were in the second. But I still think we edged the second half, even though they had a few spells of um, of pressure themselves. Um, you touched on it there. I think the Rovers fans have been pointing out. Um, on your article on the site today that um, the stats back up that they were certainly in the game and they had more corners than us and things like that. I'm sure stats don't tell the whole picture. But we'll come to you, Patrick. Welcome to the podcast. Um, do you think one all was fair or do you agree with the others that were a bit robbed? 
Well, of course, we, we, we were robbed in the end. Um, it would have been absolutely fantastic to get that win um, because we did deserve it, I think. Uh, although, as as we've all pretty much mentioned so far, um, there was we weren't exactly on top at any point in the game um, where Kev said there that the... Uh, there was never a 20-minute spell where there was a lull, but by that, by the same token, there was never a 20-minute spell where either team were were massively on top. But we'd we'd created, we'd grafted to get the goal ourselves, uh, and it's just unfortunate that yes, again, they've ended up with such a, a spawny goal to get themselves back in a game which they didn't deserve to, and it's that's twice in a row now. It's it's the manner of the goal, isn't it? I mean. There's the back pass from our field, which is obviously very poor. But then after that, the clearance going on off roads, it's the sort of thing that happens one one in a hundred times, maybe. Um, Kevin, just come back to you. Your article today on the site, for those who haven't read it, you were pointing out that it was the, the way that the, the result happened that was upsetting rather than the fact that it was one all. It was, yeah. I mean... <sighs> It's, it's because it's, it's it's not just the first time it's happened. It's again, but we've we've been so close to a win, and and had it stolen away from us. In it, it, it didn't feel like it was earned. I mean, I think I said in my, in my thing the site that if if they'd really earned the, the draw, you know, if they'd just scored a wonder goal or they'd split a defence apart or just scored it, just scored a header from one of their corners at the end, it would be a little bit more you know easier to deal with, but. Oh, it's just you, you, you can see the goal, and it's because it's all our own doing. It's not that we, we've kind of brought it on by ourselves. We've essentially scored the goal for them, but it makes it so hard to deal with. Well, uh, you've made a good point there because Tom Heaton was virtually untested throughout the whole game. There was the one shot in the first half that I think from Kearney that was a really good effort, but apart from that, he's had very little to do. And their goalkeeper has been quite busy all the way through. Um, Andy, do you think maybe we didn't push hard enough for a second goal, maybe, or was there just not enough time left in the game and it, it just made more sense to sit in and try and take the 1-0? Um, no, I, I think we should have gone for I think you were trying to, to be fair. Um, I mean, Brian Clough once said it only takes a minute to score a goal. There were How many were added on at the end? Five minutes. Um, I, I would have took Arfield off and put Keith on, definitely. Um, around the time when he put Junior on, um, I would have Sort of, I thought he was pretty ineffective, and had they done that, he wouldn't have back passed it. But <laughs> you know, um, he apologised on Twitter as well, didn't he? Which I, th- I thought was pretty, pretty. Um, yeah, that was good a nice of him. Touch, actually, I mean, yeah. he didn't have to do that. So um, obviously, he knows it's his fault, but it's good that he's accepted responsibility uh, publicly and apologised to the fans. Well, I think that was really important. Yeah, I think I think we were trying to win. Lessons the stick that he might have got otherwise. Yeah, definitely. I think we were trying to win, though. I think Dash was, you know, he, he knew the importance of it, and I think, um, it, you know, if he thought that that was the best thing to do, then so be it. You know, it nearly worked, didn't it? If uh, Ings hadn't been brought down, potentially we could have won. So, well, exactly. You're right there, and that was, of course, a break from was it a Rovers' corner that we broke away from? You just touched touched on. Excuse me, I've got a terrible voice today. My my throat's killing, so excuse me if I'm a bit croaky. But you pointed there on Keith Tracy, who uh, surprisingly dropped from the side. Uh, James, you were one who was a little bit... You weren't expecting to see Kitely start with, on his first game after he's come in on loan from Stoke. Uh, well, I thought if he was going to start Kitely, I thought he'd start Keith as well. Um, and actually, it was good that the Arfield tweet was broke, because before that I was... Uh, I was all for Arfield never playing for Burnley again. Um, <laughs> Me too. You wouldn't have been on your own, though. <laughs> I, mean, I wasn't best pleased with him. I got a bit of stick on Twitter for saying it should be subbed instantly as well. But, um, I think I tweeted that it was a sackable offence, but yeah, I, I wasn't being entirely serious. But I would have started Keith. I mean, I think Keith can feel very, very hard done by to have not started. And then to be looked over as the first sub... Um, I don't know what he's, he's done during the week, but um, it's, on, on the back of his performances recently, that was definitely not deserved to, to sort of drop right down the pecking order. Well, I, read uh, something, I read something online today that Tracy had not been well during the week. Um, I don't know any specifics, but maybe he just wasn't 100% and Dash didn't want to play someone who wasn't going to be right at the top of the, the fitness. So, But Kitely, as, 
as an alternative to Tracy. He hasn't played a game since April, so it was always going to be difficult to expect him to be at full speed. Patrick, what did you make of Cartley making his debut on Saturday? Patrick, are you there? Okay, we won't go to Patrick. He, he seems to have disappeared. Yeah, on on, on Cartley, I mean, I think he, in open sorry. play, he's, he's, oh, he's there. Sorry, sorry. My phone decided to go to sleep, so in my panic, I was pressing every button ever and uh, <laughs> and made everything go away. So sorry about that. Sure, uh, that's uh, broadcasting on the wrong end of the podcast. <laughs> I, go ahead, Patrick. Classic. Michael um, no, I, um, with regards to Tracy, um, uh, oh, sorry, Arfield, uh, it was one of those where it was one. It was it felt a bit more old. It was like when he turned up to a game kind of 10 years ago, and suddenly this player he'd signed was making his debut. It doesn't always happen, does it, now? Because so many managers are kind of loath to, to change a, a winning team, especially after we're so impressive at Derby. Uh, so it was definitely a surprise to see him start, and, and uh, as you were discussing, in place of Tracy. Um, and he, I don't know, he, he obviously needs a, a run of games, doesn't he? Um, and as, as has already been mentioned beforehand, um possibly could have made that change a little bit earlier um, and possibly Genie was the right man to bring on rather than Tracy because the way, well, Junior's goal obviously came from him being in field, um, which Tracy doesn't doesn't always do as much unless he's cutting him from, from the right-hand side. Um, so, but that had been changing shape as well. So um, I'd, I'd, I'd have gone for it sooner. I'd have gone for it a good 10 minutes sooner uh, than we did with the changes. But, um, you know, it was fair play. Fair play for the substitution. And I think once we got that goal, we needed to keep it solid. So by keeping our field on, he gives us that, doesn't he? He gives us that more of a, a good, solid wide midfielder rather than a winger. So I think that's why Dash likes. I think that's why he's a, a fan of our field, because he offers the energy and he'll get back the pitch and he'll disrupt the play. So looking at it from that point of view, it was a good decision to leave him on. It's just that obviously it went up a bit wrong with the back pass and, and obviously on the point of the substitutions we can only be so critical of what Dash did because of course he put Stanislas on and he scored the goal um, to come to you Kevin on that goal um, do you think it was one of the best in recent years at Surf Moor? It was really well worked and then a fantastic hit from June I bet you do don't you? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely I've only just stopped cheering after that one went in Yeah um to be honest, I, I have no idea what happened with the goal. I, it's just all a blur. I just remember seeing it score in about four miles out, shooting it, and then jumping around the room celebrating and knocking a drink over and being covered in whatever I was drinking and just jumping around the room. And yeah, I don't really know what happened. It was fantastic. It was, it was definitely, even, I think, even if it had been, if it, even if he'd fallen over, if, if Sam Vox had fallen over and scored it with his bum or something, like a noon body part, it'd still be the best goal to be scored at the turf in, in however long. So it was against Blackburn, it doesn't matter what, what top of goal it is, it's a, any goal against Blackburn at turf is uh, one of the best ever, isn't it? Yeah, well, it's, it's a shame, really, that it didn't turn out to be a winner, Andy, because it was such a good goal as well. I mean, it would have been certainly a goal worthy of settling any game, wouldn't it? I nearly had a heart attack when he scored, to be honest. It was kind of like uh, when Blake scored against them in, uh, when we played at Ewood in the Premiership yeah, season. Yeah. I did try tweeting you, and uh, I, for some reason the tweets wouldn't send, but I, I, just, I just had pictures of you, like, sort of rolling around on the floor. like. <laughs> it's, so, it was really funny, actually. I'll, I'll tell you what was going on. I, I went round to a friend's to watch it on the, on the telly, and um, there was someone at the door. So we'd gone to talk to this guy the door and it turns out he was trying to sell some TV package or something so he was talking to this guy at the door when Junior scored and obviously I was screaming at the telly and jumping up and down and then he brought the guy in because the guy was still trying to sell him that thing so I'm like glued to the telly and swearing every time they foul <laughs> one of our guys and stuff and he must have thought it was a right loon but yeah the, the whole street I think must have been aware that something very good had happened when that goal went in <laughs> The guy in front of me is a massive junior Stanislas fan, and uh, his, his little lad's about eight year old, and he, he laughs at his dad for liking Stanislas. And when he came on, um, sort of said, "What well, he won't do anything." And then when he scores like a minute later, it was, uh, it was, yeah, it was good. Who cares who scores? It was against Blackman. 
No, well, listen, James was giving me a little bit of stick on Twitter because he thought I was gloating about the fact Junior had scored, but I was genuinely just happy that we'd, that we'd done a goal against Rovers and it looked like <laughs> we were going to win the game. But well, Ingsy, Ingsy would have scored, but he got stopped, didn't he? Yeah. Well, that, Junior that volley he did. He did a good volley. And, uh, was it Arfield that had a shot blocked, saved? And then uh, Ings, Ings sort of kept his body over the top of it and hit it. A really hard yeah, shot that he the double save. Double save, yeah, from Keane. Yeah. That was probably the, the best save of the game. Yeah. Um, just to come back to you, Patrick, on that goal then from, from Junior. Is that the sort of thing you want to see more from him? People criticising for his consistency? Well, people do. and People do criticise him and they have got a point. But uh, Junior is the kind of one player in the team who... Can can just produce the telling cross, uh, the shot on target, which either either goes in or gets pared back out. I mean, he's when you when you just imagine a junior Sanisas goal, he's usually in fields, he's usually kind of what twenty five yards out, hits the top corner half the time. Uh, but you know, some of the times he, he needs he needs like, ten yards pretty much to hit it, which he created for himself by his you know on on Saturday. Uh, I mean, his first touch, um, and then and then the ball into Ings, and then well, if you hit if you hit a shot that sweetly with your wrong foot, then it deserves to go in as well. It was sort of a once in a lifetime thing. I suppose they'll probably never hit the ball that cleanly again. Um, we'll go through some of the comments on the chat that I've been neglecting slightly. Gemma's been on. She says we were robbed, and the fact that Rovers were celebrating a draw against us like it's win says it all. I think that's. Very good point. The fans now are saying, oh, it's still 34 years and you're never going to beat us, but it's arguably three times in a row they've been lucky to get away with a draw, so it's certainly interesting how the tables are turning there. And a comment from Ganks as well, he says, it'd be a liar if he said he wasn't impressed with what Gary Boyer, the Blackman manager, is trying to do with the squad regarding bringing in good young players and promoting the academy lads, but saying that they are still bastards, which I think is an excellent point. And... Um, Ganks has been on asking if we can move to Tuesday as he's a big fan of Gary Neville. Unfortunately, we do like going up against Gary Neville, so we're not going to be doing that. Um, we'll come to the quiz now, actually, which is a special Rovers question. It's quite a tricky question, so hopefully it's going to go down well. If you are listening on the chat, please come in with your guesses, and if you're listening and you're on Twitter, you can put your guesses on and I'll get the question on. Um, use the hashtag NNNPod and we'll get your answers read out as well. So the quiz question this week is, there's 25 players since the Second World War have played for both Burnley and Rovers. So who are they? And we'll start with you, Andy. Can you name any players who have played for both Burnley and Rovers? I'm going to name... The Second World War. Yeah, I'm going to name a very good friend of mine who sadly passed away last... Uh, at the beginning of this year, actually, John Kennelly, who actually still hated Blackman. <laughs> Fair play to him. I'm glad you mentioned him because, like you say, you're a personal friend of his and you wrote a very nice tribute to him on the site as well. So I'm glad you pointed that out. James Bird, a player who has played for both Burnley and Rovers. Um, I don't even have a guess. Come on, James, your favourite. There's two in the squad at the moment. Come on. Oh, Keith Tracy, yeah, go for Keith Tracy. Yeah, exactly. I can't believe you didn't get the straight Sorry. That's terrible, terrible. Kevin, we'll have one from you. Well, I'm trying to think of his name. He's a defender. He's a centre-back. We had him on loan from Blackman, but I've no idea what he's called, so I'm going to have to go with David Jones instead. David Jones is, of course, the other that's current. Um, I can tell you, there's a couple that I think were on loan from Rovers that I can spot. I've got another one. Three. Was Lenny John Rose? Was Lenny John Rose a Rover? Absolutely, Lenny John Rose, who had 17 spells at Turf Mott. I love it when Sorry, Lenny John Rose is a, quick, is a quiz answer. I think we should only ask questions that Lenny John Rose has the answer to, because it just reminds everyone of Lenny John Rose. And that Definitely. Thing. Um, we'll have a guess from you then, Patrick, and then we'll do some of the ones that have already come in. Excellent. Well, I'd have gone for Lenny General simply because uh, parents' cat is named Lenny after me and my dad sabotaged a vote for, the cat, for a new cat's name. Um, <laughs> uh, so, um, so I, I, sit, I think of Lenny Genrels every day when I'm with my parents. Uh, but otherwise, <laughs> I don't know if this is who Kev was thinking about anyway, but Andy Todd, uh, I mean, he came in and really solidified uh, a, a shambolic turn and defence. Um, That's the one. So, yeah. 
so he's he just one of those players who just just knew how to defend. He was a, a rough a rough bloke, uh, but he just knew how to defend. It was exactly what we needed at that time, weren't we, Andy Todd? And we've had Andy Todd um, from Leeds Claret as well, so congratulations to you for getting that one right. And a couple more guesses that have come in already. Matthew says, Andy Cole, who of course played for Burnley at the end of his career. Andy, don't call me Andy Cole. Scored a hat-trick at, at QPR for us. Bradley Orr is a very good guess. The right-back, who I think came on from Newcastle, is that right? And then there's... <laughs> A couple more. Jay Machiavelli, Robbie Kopak was the other defender who's been on loan. And I think we're up to speed. Um, was, was, um, I'm, I'm, I'm on a bus now, by the way, and I'm under the speaker, so if we get another guest, this is for the London bus announcer woman. But was, um, <laughs> did, did David May play for Blackburn? David May did play for Blackburn, of course, a, a Premier League medal winner at Manchester United. And someone else, someone on the chat has said David May, so well done there. There's still quite a lot to go. Um, a couple of more recent ones and a few older ones. Andy, you said you've got a couple of guesses for us? Yeah, I've got uh, Gordon Cowens was one. Gordon Cowens is a good one. And I've, uh, there's a current vintage claret, um, a place with a vintage claret at the moment, David Hamilton, he played for, uh, for them as well. David Hamilton is a very good one as well. So we're about halfway there. Keep your guesses coming on the chat. And if you are listening through Twitter... Use the NNN pod hashtag while I talk. I'm just going to check that no one's had any guesses there. Um, like I said, we're without Adam today because he's at university now. So lad, lad, lad. he'll be out on the lash. He said he has to go and be social. So no Adam this week. Yeah, there's no more guesses. So um, we'll go through the panel one more time. James, have you got any more? No, I did think of David May, but obviously Kev went and got that one. Um, okay, I'll give you a clue. There was someone who was at the club last year on loan. Anyone know the guy who was on loan last season? He wasn't very good. That doesn't really narrow it down, yes, does it? Yes, yes. Go on. The winger. Yeah. It was, it was rubbish from Hull. Yeah. He's, got, he's got a name. Yeah, he does have a oh, Cameron case. Stewart. He was terrible. Cameron Stewart, that's the one. I'm not that's the one. People don't remember him because he's not very memorable, is he? And Ganks has got that one right on the on the um, chat as well. Um, any more from you, Patrick? Well, it was mentioned uh, at half-time. Uh, Chris Pearce started there, but I don't know. I, did he actually play for him? I know you... Yeah. He's he, not on the list I've got. Right. Well, as I say, he, he's... It was announced that he started there, but and I, he did play at Blackburn, I think. Mind, so. I'll check that one, but it's not on the list I've got. Hopefully, the, the quiz answers will be more accurate than last week when they're a little bit problematic. But I can tell you, we've still got seven, eight, twelve, thirteen, and the twenty-five to get. I'm just checking Chris Pierce now. Any more from you, Andy? Uh, no, I'm racking my brains. I've been. No, everyone said the ones that are... Well, according to Wikipedia, this is broadcasting of the finest calibre. I'm on Wikipedia checking stuff out. Chris Pierce made no appearances for Blackman Rovers. But was Quite right, too. at the club. So, incorrect, according to Wikipedia. But that's fine by me, because, you know, first season was 91-92, and for me, he was a bit of a hero, despite hardly ever playing. <laughs> Well, Chris Pierce not right. I'll give you a clue for another one. Another player who came, I think, on loan initially. A smallish midfield player, technically quite good. Alan Marn. That's the one. Alan Marn, I think he was at the club when Steve Cottrell was at charge. Uh, I think the rest are all um, older players, shall we say. So you need to get racking your brains for those. And we'll come back to the quiz a little bit later because I think we're all drying up a little bit. So we will come back to that um, and we'll go back to talking about the Rovers game a point I wanted to make was about the crowd actually the crowd for the game was announced at less than 16,000 people and about 3,000 of those was from Rovers which is quite low for a derby um, Andy was the atmosphere still good despite the crowd and why do you think the crowd was so low uh, yeah I thought the atmosphere was was, was pretty good um, where, where I sit there, there did seem to be quite a lot of 
empty seats. Uh, Blackburn, I heard, sold about they were about 500 short of their allocation, but they could have had more. So, I mean, they only sold about two thirds of that stand, which, uh, so their, you know, their attendance was low. It's got to be, um, you know, television, hasn't it? Plus, you know, the, from the Blackburn point of view, I know quite a few Blackburn fans and they don't, you know, they're similar to us that they don't like this, uh, ring of steel sort of taking away your civil liberties, um, approach from the, the police. Well, Absolutely, I think that's a very good point. Um, it'll be interesting to see whether the police continue with with the the way that they they do the game with the crowds being a bit lower. And I don't think there was any trouble, so that will be interesting. Patrick, what do you make of the policing? Do you think they've got it about right, or is it too much, or is it putting people off? It's too much. I mean, there were there were what nine arrests, and um, where where people get arrested for being idiots. Uh, if you go on a game at the turf, you're going to get arrested if you if you're an idiot. Um, but the police will point to that that it was such a low figure because of their, uh, you know, of, of their preventative measures. Um, I think you know the steel wall um, does look like a, a huge overreaction. Um, it's uh, I don't know. I think credit to a lot of just normal Burnley fans that people just get on with it, um, uh, you know, around the ground. Uh, and I think the vast majority of people can just walk by. Uh, but I think, no, I, the, the, basically no one should be herded around like that in order to go to a football game, whether they support Blackburn Rovers or not. Well, there were certainly some away fans who were put off coming from the game. Um, there was a, a woman did the Q and A for us, Catherine Oddie, who said she was going to come to the game, but um, she didn't want to bring her children because of the way the police behave. So there's certainly people being put off by that, and um, maybe the ticket prices as well. It was like over thirty quid for a game that was on telly. Is it a bit too much, Andy? Do you think that's put people off as well? Uh, possibly, yeah. I mean, that's quite a big separate debate in it. The the, the ticketing. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we could talk about the ticket tax every week. I think. I think the the one thing I would say about the the the, the way the police are policing it, if you will, um, all the idiots are still getting to go on the games because they never get chance to do anything wrong to get arrested. I'd have a game where you let them sort of scrap amongst one another. They can bang them all up then, and then they won't be there at the next one. Problem solved. A sort of dedicated fight fight match. Yeah, yeah. Get rid of all the idiots completely then. That's um, an interesting theory. Um, we've got Kevin back, who was on a bus the last we heard, so I'm, I'm not sure um, if he's completely safe. Kevin, we were talking about the ticketing and the policing of the match and why the, the crowd was so low. Have you got a view on why there was less than 16,000 at Turf Moor? Uh, I think it's the same reason as just approaching 10,000, around the 10,000 mark for, for a non-Blackman game. It's uh, it, it, it's not the most appealing uh, summer this summer. A lot of people were turned off. I, don't, I think the season ticket sales were probably quite low. Um, in addition to the high ticket prices, and again, people just don't want to be asked about the police, especially when it's on TV for free, so... It's really disappointing, but it's, it's so low. But I think you can definitely point to several several reasons why that might be the case. Well, we've had a couple of reasons cited on the, the chat as well. Um, Robbie's pointed out that you could only get one ticket per Clarets number. Maybe that was a bit unnecessary. There's been a few stories of people who were trying to buy more than one and it was too difficult, so they decided not to bother. There's obviously the ticket prices, the way the game's being policed the fact that it was on television at the same point so there was a lot to deal with but maybe the club did get a little bit wrong and tickets should have been easier to buy maybe or cost a bit less money James have you got anything anything to add on uh, the crowd on Saturday well Andy said he thought the atmosphere was quite good I actually thought it was pretty poor for the, the game it was um, I would certainly expected more singing than there was and you know, a lot more noise and I know people always point towards the cricket field stand being given to away fans and that being better for atmosphere, but I think that's rubbish. If you had three ends all singing, they'd drown out one stand just because it's got slightly better acoustics. Well, it'll be interesting to see if anything changes for next year, if 
if we've got the derby again, obviously, hopefully we'll get promoted and they'll get relegated. So, um, hopefully we won't be playing them again, but we need a chance to beat the Maspos as well. But it will be interesting to to see if the club has a response to the low crowd. I think there are only a few arrests this time, so the police might claim that they've got it right, but it's a bit of a, a vicious circle, isn't it? It's like, which one comes first? So it'll be interesting to see what they do next. Um, we'll come back to that Williamson red card that Andy raised earlier. Um, one of the things that I was talking to some people on Twitter about after the game was the fact that the punishment didn't really seem enough for, for what he did. I mean, it's in injury time, Ings is effectively through on goal, it's probably going to score, and it's just a red card and we get a free kick on the halfway line. Andy, do you think that's fair, or do the rules need to be changed so that there's more of a deterrent for players to do that? I think it was uh, cynical. I mean, it was a professional foul of, you know... A, a textbook professional foul. Um, I really do think that Ings, well, he was getting away from him. I really do think that he'd score um, definitely in, well, nine times out of ten. Um, the way we were playing, I think he would have bagged. We win. Um, you know, to get a free kick just inside their half where you clean through on goal, it's ridiculous. But, I mean, I, I would you, you couldn't give a penalty, although I think it deserved a penalty. But, I mean, when you're 30 yards out of the penalty box, how can you, I don't know, it's a bit tricky. Um you know, it is true. I don't know. I mean, there would certainly have to be a rule change. One of the things I think I suggested to you, James, was the possibility of something like a penalty goal. Um, you watch a lot of ice hockey, don't you? They have something similar, do they? Yeah, if you're uh, if you're through clean one on one with the goaltender and you get tripped, uh, you get a penalty shot. Um, there's no such thing as obviously a penalty kick in hockey, so a penalty shot is the de facto penalty method but if um, normally if you trip someone you just get sent to the sim bin for two minutes whereas if it's a clear opportunity to score um, that's changed to a penalty shot they get an opportunity to skate from the halfway mark and take a shot on the goaltender Do you think it's feasible that something similar to that could be introduced in football or are we just being a little bit bitter about the fact that it was also got on the end of one? I think that's feasible. I don't see a reason why you couldn't put it in. Obviously, there'll be people who oppose it because it's a majorly drastic change to what we're used to. But I don't think anyone who's been on the receiving end of a situation like that can argue that a free kick and a red card just isn't fair because you've gone from having one man through against the goalkeeper to suddenly they can get all all 11 back behind the ball when you've got to sort of loft it into the box. I mean, it's, it's not fair that way, is it? It's it's a no-brainer, isn't it? For Williamson, he's just come on. Ings is quicker than him. He's getting away. He's certainly going to have a shot on target. Well, a shot on goal. So he's obviously going to bring him down at, at that stage of the game. Patrick, what, what do you make of that situation? And uh, do you think there needs to be a rule change? Well, I think anything such as that would be unnatural to, to shift the position of the ball so, so greatly would be completely unnatural and the thing with football is that they try and keep it as as flowing and as natural as possible anyway I mean there's been all the resistance to even a, a 10 second pause to decide whether it's a, whether it's a goal um, which even then was deemed too long uh, but I just yeah I'd, I'd, I would be uncomfortable with just such a, a huge difference you know difference uh, to, to the natural makeup of a game that's happened for, you know, been played like this for over 100 years. I suppose there is precedent with things like the offside rule that was brought in, but this would be a totally different thing. If, if we say the, the penalty goal type example, for example, they could have said Ings runs with the ball from the halfway line and the goalkeeper can come back out. Um, so it would be interesting. Let us know your views on that if you're on the chat, because it's an interesting um, thought. I'll, we do need to point out that if it was the other way around and it was Jordan Rhodes through on goal and uh, Michael Duff had brought him down, then we'd probably be saying Duff's done the right thing. So we do need to point that out and it may be slightly bitter on our point, but I, I do think it is unfair that Williamson just takes his red card and that's his punishment and we basically just get a free kick and the last three minutes against ten men. So it is an interesting argument. Uh, just one last point on that game then on 
on the Blackburn game from Saturday. Do you think, Andy, that maybe the 34 years thing is is becoming too much pressure for the players? Um, it's getting too much pressure for me. I can't, <laughs> I can't. It's uh, so I went to school there in in the 80s and got you know. <laughs> you get you get quite a bit of abuse going from Burnley going to school in Blackburn and to and to still not beat him when I'm 38 years of age is just so annoying. It's unbelievable. Um, and they and they getting we're getting closer and closer, but it's not just close enough. And I really do think it's about time we give them a pasting and uh, and let's hope we do it. Do you know what I'd actually like is we don't win at Ewood, but then we beat them in the playoff final and we go up. Um, Can that, you imagine the police? I would, I would literally drop dead as the final whistle went, <laughs> I think, and, and die a happy man. That would be an incredible game. But could you imagine if we lost that game? 80,000 people all bust to Wembley. I know, that would be horrible, but also incredible. Fences round Wembley to keep it as two halves. <laughs> and we'd have to set off six days before. Yeah, probably. Everyone would have a second month off work. God, don't even want to think about what that would be. You like. joke about it, but well, it, it would be interesting to see what they do. I mean, if insisting on bussing people to the the other ground, and would they try and enforce that? Can you try and enforce that? It'd be impossible, wouldn't it? But I'm sure they'd come up with some bizarre way to try and keep the fans apart, thinking that there'd be a massive riot. To be fair, I think um, that would dilute the amount of videos you get there. With so many being there, I think you'd almost become safer. Yeah, it would be weird. I mean, I, even on a normal game, the vast majority of people just want to go and watch football match, don't they? Yeah, and I think that increases as you increase the number as well, because obviously you get more casuals in. I think at Wembley as well, it'd probably be harder to get for the troublemakers to get tickets together, so that would probably have an impact as well. But, yeah, it's, it's something to think about what that would be. Obviously, like. when I say casuals, I mean casual fans, not people who like to think that they wear Adidas trainers and kick. Man, I'm Suicide lot. Is that still a thing in the Suicide Squad? Still a thing? I hope not. <laughs> um, well, we've got back to the quiz now, and we've had a few answers have come in, so get your thinking caps on, you three, because there'll still be a few more to go. The quiz question, if you just tuning in now is there's 25 players who've played for both Burnley and Blackburn Rovers since the Second World War who are they and we've got about half of them so far but there's some more guesses coming in um, through Twitter we'll start off with um, Matt Crossley was on but he only guessed some of the players we've already had David Jessup said David Jones and Keith Newton so we'll cross off Keith Newton that was a very good guess um, there was also some guesses from Richard Laycock, who got four of the numbers. Ian Creamer said Kevin Hurd. Name that rings bell for anyone, Kevin Hurd? Yeah, I, I, that was my guess for Kevin Hurd. Oh, did you say Kevin Hurd? Sorry. No, I, I, no, I was about to do. His wife, oh, right. his wife taught me at junior school. He, uh, really? Yeah. Claim to fame. That's it, that's it. Yeah. He lives in Barnoldswick <laughs> still, I think. He's, uh, he's still in football, I believe. Oh, really? There's a couple more guys Andy, as well. Andy, is there any, is there any former player that Andy doesn't have a connection to? <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like the Kevin Bacon. I'm like, just... <laughs> <laughs> we should do that as a quiz one week. We'll do like six, six degrees six of separation. Devani. Andy Devani and all Burnley players in history. <laughs> we'll try and get that set up. Um, we've had a couple more guests on Twitter as well. Marshall Burke is the correct answer, so I'll cross him off. Um, David Hamilton and Lenny John Rose had already gone, so I think we're down to the last nine or ten or so now. Um, someone said Michael Duff if it counts as his own goal, which obviously it doesn't. Um, Jay McAvelly's gone, Andy Cole's gone, David Neil, Lenny John Rose, they've all gone as well. Um, keep your guesses coming in, and we'll go through the panel again. Andy, have you got any more? Uh, no, I, I had Junior Bent in my head, but I don't think he did. I think I'm mixing him up with Marshall Burke. No, it's not on the list, Junior Bent. There's one that someone else has said that um, isn't on my list, but I think it might be right. Marlon Brooms. Was he, a, he an ex-Rovers player as well? He was, but did he, ever, did, he, did he ever actually play for us other than kind of pre-seasons and then popping up on the pre-season photo? I don't think he actually played a league game, did he? Nope, you're right enough. He's, according to Wikipedia, again, Marlon Brooms did not play for us, so... 
Um, it's Kieran on Twitter with that guess. That's an incorrect answer, I'm afraid. He never actually played for us. And Robbie's got one of the most most famous Burnley players remaining, Adam Blacklaw. Burnley and Rovers he's played for. There's one more goalkeeper, actually. Fairly well-known. Relatively uh, recent. Andy Marriott didn't play for them, did he? That's the one I was giving the clues for, Andy Marriott. And we what about... Now down... As as um, my mum's my mum's sweetheart, um, she's obsessed with uh, been mentioned Alan Mann. Yeah, Alan Mann went. I think while you were on a, a bus related absence. Oh, um, know him. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Show I don't really. Andy. I don't really. <laughs> uh, right, we're down to the last eight, and these might be tricky to get because I don't recognise any of the names. So I'm going to have to do some clues. Um, if you're listening on the chat, keep your guesses coming in, and we'll do clues for the first one, who I can tell you played for Burnley um, in the 1950s, and he moved directly from Burnley to Blackburn, and he also played for Southport and Chester. Wouldn't have gone directly, M65 wouldn't have been built then. <laughs> well, it's gone through Aki. Has anyone got any more? Or am I going to have to read out the answers? I think if Andy can't get it, then no one's going to get it. It is a tricky <laughs> one. This. I'm, I was trying to come up with a question at about 6 o'clock this evening. George Bray. He played in for Burnley at 50, is No, no, I'm afraid he's he's not one of them. Although Matt, Matt Crossley on Twitter has just got the one that I was giving you clues for. Jim Appleby was the one I was trying to get you to get, so I'll cross him off, and we are down to the last um, six now. There's one, who, this isn't going to be helpful for any of you, but shares a name with someone who taught me at university, which, like I say, is no use to anyone. <laughs> but he played for Burnley between 1963 and 1965, also played for Stockport, I'm going to have to go through the answers because we're not going to get anywhere. It's going to take all day. Um, so the other six players that have played for both Burnley and Rovers since the Second World War were Paul Comstiv, um, John Price, Eric Binns, Roy Stevenson, Peter Devine and Walter Joyce. Do you know any of them, Andy? Any any more personal friends? No, I, I remember watching Paul Comstiv and Walter Joyce's, uh, Warren Joyce's dad, didn't he? Is it? Yep. I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. I, I, and I've heard of Pe- that, Peter Devine, I think, played around late, about 87-ish or something, I think. 88? I remember, I remember as a kid having a an own girls and gaffs video and Peter Devine takes the worst penalty ever seen. Is uh, it worse than Gifton or Williams? He, 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 well, Gifton or Williams actually kicked it. Whereas uh, <laughs> Peter Devine <laughs> kind of stumbles over it like a drunken old man. And it's, it, I hope it's on YouTube. It must be, but we'll it's it's, ter- it's terrible. Peter <laughs> Divine penalty comes up in Google, so it must be there. It is indeed. <laughs> Everyone listening to the podcast has now gone to YouTube to try and watch this penalty, and I'm going to do the same. <laughs> we'll move on now to tomorrow night's game at Turf Moor. It's a quick turnaround, of course, from the from the derby, and it's. Um, Birmingham City at Turfmore. I'm just watching that penalty, and it is absolutely hilarious. I'll put the link on the on the site as soon as we finish. Um, I'm distracted by how bad that penalty was. But yeah, Birmingham tomorrow night. Andy, do you think it's good that the game's coming so quickly after the disappointment of Saturday? So, sorry, I'm just laughing at that. That is pretty funny. Have to put link. Can we get back on track, please? Here we go again. The funny. Hey. <laughs> it doesn't get nearer to it every time you watch it, do you? That is rubbish. What? Uh, <laughs> sorry, what was the question again? <laughs> Moving on to the Birmingham game tomorrow night. Is it good that we've got another game so soon after the disappointment on Saturday? Yeah, definitely. I mean, the home form hasn't been great. Well, it doesn't seem to have been. I mean, probably has, hasn't it? When you, but we just don't seem to put people, kill people off at home. So, <laughs> is that the penalty? <laughs> I don't know who that was. That's not me. Sorry, that was uh, me. So yeah, I mean, if we go back to <laughs> if we go back to winning ways tomorrow, um, you know, we we got we've had four points in three ga- in two games. So, you know, you 
you probably take that. Um, so yeah, that's I mean, way definitely you don't come sure for answers. Yeah, of course. Elliot will be back at Turf Moor. That's always him. a good occasion. Um, James, do you think it's a good opportunity for three points? Birmingham have started the season quite badly, haven't they? Yeah, I saw Harry Redknapp said that. Well, he said to Steve Clark that he thought Birmingham were the best team they've played against so far. That just probably says more about the other teams they've played than than Birmingham because they look dire. And they've got four points from six games and they've only beaten Yeovil so far. And to be honest, from what I heard, they were lucky against Yeovil, or more Yeovil were unlucky. So if we don't beat them. I don't, I don't even know what to say because we've been fantastic so far. So I can't comprehend us not beating them. Well, the, the home form has been pretty good for a while now, so I think it's unbeaten in seven or something. Or our stats, man, is that, does that sound about right? It must must be about right. I can't remember the last time I saw us get beat at home. Yeah, so it's, it's a big game, really, I suppose, when you look ahead to Saturday, a tricky trip to Leeds on the cards, so... That'll be an interesting one to see if we can get three points on the ball. Patrick, do you think, um, coming on the back of Saturday's result, that it's a good thing that we're playing against so soon? Just three days between those matches. I do, yeah. And, and it, it being at home again is a, is a, a bonus as well. Uh, it means that, I mean, it'd have been perhaps too much if we'd have beaten Blackburn, but then been, you know, uh, been so up. Uh, still from the game on Saturday, but we went into Tuesday and weren't quite on it. I think it gives us a bit more focus um, that we can actually get a win, get four points out, whereas otherwise we could have had three points and a and a great Saturday night, or uh, you know, and then followed it up with a a drab a drab Tuesday where in fact it was a bit of a after the Lord Mayor show kind of thing. I think that's an interesting point. Do you agree with that, Kevin? That with a long-term picture, it might turn out that drawing on Saturday was a good result. Uh, I'm not sure. I think I think what see what you like about Sean Dice, but he's he he gets his team organised and he gets them prepared. He's uh, I think he'll spend a lot of time with the team uh, before the match, making them completely forget about Blackburn, regardless of what result have been. He'd have been he'd have been as soon as the match is over. That one. That'll be ending, I think, with Sean Dyche. Um, whatever you say about, say about anything else about him, he's, he's definitely ultra prepared. So I don't think it'd have a huge difference, but I do I do agree with Passion to, to the extent that we're probably better, just in terms of naturally, we are probably better prepared going into this match on the back of the draw. But I think I don't think anybody would um, be happy going to the, the draw. So much rather going. Um, it's looking for a silver lining, isn't it, on the cloud? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think we would swap it, but it, it's probably a, an advantage, shall we say, for getting that draw. Uh, do you think we changes to the team, Andy, or will it be maybe the same again? Kitely, maybe drop out. Oh, sorry, wrong button. Um, I think <laughs> it, it'd be interesting to see if Harfield starts. I think. Um, yeah, that's a possibility as well. I think, um, and I would I would have had longing for Duff as well. And I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure he played Duff because of experience. But I were I were frightened to death of him giving a, a penalty away and a red you know a red card. Um, I think I think yeah, I think Duff's first choice. Um, obviously, he came back into the game against Preston with better me, and I didn't expect even to start the next league game, but they did. So I mean, I think that shows where his preference is. Yeah. That- that's obviously his first choice, isn't it? So I think Duff all the long will be for the foreseeable future and long will probably just have to wait until there's um, a chance to come back in through injury or suspension or something. Um, Patrick, do you think we'll make changes tomorrow night? Uh, I'd, I'd keep the defence as it is because, um, I mean, Birmingham have got Lee Novak up front nowadays who is nothing other than a big bloke, is he really? He's like a... He's, I don't know, he, he, he was in the same Huddersfield squad as Alan Lee and they're both very, very similar players. Um, so I'd, I'd I'd keep it at the back. I'd keep it. I keep it the same. I think me had a decent enough game on the, on Saturday. Was solid enough. Uh, gave us a good base. But because we've got a good base, I think we can have a bit more ambition going forward. Whether that is, I mean, if Tracy didn't figure one bit on Saturday, is he out of the picture now? Um, otherwise, it's a case of yeah. What, 
That's the plant outside the door. Sorry, the beep was me clocking out and the rest is some of the ventilation kit. Oh dear. This has been um, a little bit of a shambles today, so I apologise for that. But we will solve you out. Um, Kevin, we'll come to you one Oh, right, I don't know what to say. <laughs> someone compared me to Jeff Stelling a couple of weeks ago, like half joking, and I'm pretty sure Jeff Stelling never has to put up with this. No one's ever driving lorries past Jeff Stelling while he's. <laughs> Sorry, like, I had to run back uh, past because actually I went, I went to the canteen door to see what pie's on tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, why I went past some machinery. You can say the lad out of <laughs> oh my god! I can't remember where we were. We were talking about Berman tomorrow night. What what um, was on the what what is in the canteen tomorrow? Yeah, what what? Tell us, <laughs> tell us about the pies. Stick was it out. worth it? The pies, the pies here at work are fantastic. Um, the cutlery and crockery leave something to be desired in terms of cleanliness, but the pies they put on it is fantastic. You can't argue with it. <laughs> They got a bit. They were a bit exotic um, last week on Thursdays where we had paella. Today in we had pie. Chinese. So, <laughs> did, someone, did someone get my? Did someone thought it was a pie? Just tuning in. This is James Bird's Pie Podcast. <laughs> and we um, talk about football all the time. We might as well can stay it, with the pies. I think. Can you can you order them with your iPhone though? No, <laughs> no, not quite. I, maybe, I think put, a bit... maybe put that to him. I think they're a bit cheaper at work, that. though, and they come with come with chips and they are the turf, so... My, my mate ordered a three-pound pie the night on the turf, and he was disappointed when it was so small. He expected quite a big pie for three, you know, three pounds quite heavy. Tell you what, what they, <laughs> what they don't give you in uh, in size, they give you in temperature. <laughs> yeah, you're, not, you're not paying for the pie, you're just paying for someone to keep you warm for a few minutes. It's hotter than Alan Partridge's apple pie, isn't it? <laughs> I do like oh. as well how um, how Burnley have, have marketed it as the as the eye pie, which in a broad Burnley accent will be an R par, which is just brilliant. For... I, I can't really see people using that much. Um, I think we've got distracted somewhat from the the matter of hand, which is which is football. Um, if there's anyone still listening, we will do a bit more talk about football before we wrap it up. Um, Kevin, tomorrow night then, Birmingham. Would you change the team at all? Um, I'd, be, I'd be very surprised if Kitely plays, um, having with the little football he's played um, over the last few months. Um, but other than that, I can't see any any, any changes, really. Um, I, I know I was a big supporter of keeping Kevin Long in the side after his mistake earlier in the season, but I do think that um, keeping... Consistently with 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 your back four is very important, especially when we're we're doing we do well with our back four. We're not just conceding many goals, um, so I won't keep making changes there. And just for Scott Arfield to keep him in, him in as well. I don't think you want to make too many changes after after a good form. So I bring um, depending on how Dash is feeling, either either junior or or keeping for for currently, but that's about it. You think maybe Stanislas has earned a start after he's got one Saturday, Andy? Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, I'd put him in for uh, for Kitely. Um Yeah, definitely. I mean, he he does seem to be. Um, I said he was a secret weapon on Saturday, and he and he turned out to be. Um, you know, but I do. I, he's either good or bad. He's Stanislas. He's a bit sort of. He never seems to have a middle grade. He either does something amazing or he, he seems to do nothing. But let's hope he keeps doing the amazing bits. I, I think he managed to do both work. on Saturday. Well, yeah. Apart from, apart from when he scored, he did pretty much nothing. It was just outstanding. Yeah, out out maybe, of doing yeah, nothing yeah. for a couple of minutes, he suddenly scored, then just went back to. But you'd take that, wouldn't you? You'd take that. Well, maybe if he yeah, did it. I mean, maybe if he did it a second time, and we could have won two-one. <laughs> I think it's it's a little bit harsh to criticise Stanislav when he did score that goal, and he was only on. I mean, it was seven minutes or something after the goal when he scored. Oh, it was a great goal. I, I was shocked. 
for many reasons, but one of them being that he suddenly popped up with that goal in a derby. Because I didn't have him down as a derby type player. I It'll think... be interesting to see if opinion sways on Stanislas after their goal because I think he has surprised a few people. Maybe someone like Tracy would expect to do that, especially with it being his old club and he's been playing quite well. So it's maybe um, unexpected that Tracy was totally not uninvolved, but Stanislas repaired the manager's faith with the, the goal, didn't he? It's, I mean, it's interesting you said that because I think uh, when Sam Volks scored the equaliser against Blackman at the turf, I mean, that was a big turning point for people's opinion on him. I, I thought so, but there's still a lot of people who don't seem to think much of Sam Volks. I don't, but, particularly, but I really oh, hated I him before he scored against Blackman. I don't know how you can say that. <laughs> on, on Saturday, he ran after everything. I mean, if there's one yeah, thing you can say about Sam Volks, is that what he, what he lacks in pace, he makes up for in effort. Because one day someone's going to slip and he's going to be there. Yeah, I, th- I, so I think we put every time we put in these ball in the boxes, though, he never seems to sort of be where he should be to me. That you know, but, he, but he, well, I don't fault, I don't fault his effort. Is in his defence, maybe the ball's just not going where. <laughs> maybe, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The cross has to be in the right place, and the striker has to be in the right place. He ain't no on some books. Yeah, on some books, I think I just say I don't think it's I don't think it's coincidence that he scores with. Pretty much every play, every piece of his body. I think he, uh, I think he does get into the right place. Um, he, he just doesn't, it just, it just doesn't move. He just stands there, just stands oh. in the right spot. He knows the ball going to come to eventually. Just, he knows it'll hit him at some point, so he just stands there and he'll hit him and go we, in. We saw on Saturday and nearly scored with his neck. Um, it reminded me a lot of when Andy Grace scored charging the goalkeeper down. But you know, if you chase after those lost courses, one day it's going to become a, a cause and he's going to score from it. Well, it would have been interesting, wouldn't it? If like, the first five minutes or so was it that chance when King came out and smashed it against Volks, and it, it was only a few yards wide. So that'd have been four goals for the season, three of them total accidents. I, w- I wonder. You're right, if he's not there, if he's not there, he doesn't get the chances. So you've got to at least credit him for being in the right place. I wonder when he used to. Uh learn to play football when he was little if he'd learnt by the head, shoulders, knees and toes rhyme, perhaps <laughs> <laughs> That's an interesting point Patrick, what do you make of Sam Volk so far? I thought he had a, one of his best games I've seen him on, on Saturday, and a lot of it was I mean, yeah, he's not as aggressive and uh, and and good in the air as, as we've seen other strikers be, and I include Charlie Austin in that. Uh, but it, one one thing that I noticed on Saturday was a lot of balls, a lot of uncomfortable balls in, in, in near his midriff. He, he, he managed to get down and off. Um, he, even, he even pulled out a fancy flick on Saturday, which is completely unvoked like um, But I think he... No, I was, I was impressed. I was impressed by his all-round work. Um, and it would it would be nice if he was getting into those near post positions, you know. But, but think of who we've had the last couple of seasons as benchmarks: Charlie Austin, Jerry Rodriguez. They're pretty damn good. Um, I don't think it's the end of the world, but he's not quite that that man yet. Um, well, we raise this every week, I think. But on the point of signings, um, is it still striker that we think we want to bring in? Like? Folks, things have been scoring an average of about a goal a game, that partnership, but there's only Ryan Noble in reserve. Is it still four? Would you oh, like to see us I think in? I think Saturday's reinforced that. I mean, Ryan Noble's not even on the bench on Saturday. Um, I think a striker's what we need. I'm not sure what type of striker we need. I mean, it's interesting that uh, Patrick brought up who Volks has got to compete with in recent history, but arguably before those two, there was probably the best striker I've ever seen at Burnley and that's Stephen Fletcher and following on from those three is going to be a tough act for anyone really well there's, there's Fletcher there's Rodriguez we've had some very good strikers we've been treated really a place like Andy Gray as well were excellent for the club so it's tough but I think folks he's getting there he's getting there would you still like to see a striker come in and come in Andy um, yeah I think perhaps we should have somebody who's sort of on the way back down if you will like you know like probably not like Ian Wright because I think we'd never be able to do that sort of business again but somebody who's coming down from the played in the Premier League and on the way back which would kind of give a balance with the you know Ings and Volks who are both young and sort of on the way up through the careers 
Another Andy, another Andy Cole type player would probably be good. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I agree with that. Yeah, someone with a bit of experience to pass on. Kevin Phillips, to... them sort of players, you know, there must be some of them knocking about. Yeah, Matt's been on um, the comment, it's suggested uh, Mason on loan from Cardiff. I think that's someone who's been mentioned because Marky Mackay is good friends with Sean Dash. I don't think he was in there. He's, no, he's been, picked in the, he's been picked in there 25. So he wasn't in the squad, was he? So yeah, so I think the pretty much kills that off. That's interesting. Um, Kevin, have you got a point to make about um, possible signings? Yeah, I think I think what Andy was saying is probably probably our most likely way forward. Um, in terms of preference, I don't know if I don't know if how finances will will allow for certain deals, but I think somebody like even Kevin Phillips Mould, somebody like that is probably going to be a little bit more happier to to come and play a little bit more of a part role if he's really you know really getting on. Maybe can't play every week. Whereas I think with with Ings and, and Brooks doing so well. I think we we will struggle to to convince Premier League teams to let their best players, their best, you know, their most promising youngsters come out and loan to us if if they if we can't guarantee them first team football because essentially what's point is coming to us to play a bit part game, go off a bench every two games for half an hour. Um, we'd be better off playing every week in in you know United Liverpool reserves. So I think um, Dyche has probably got a hard sell trying to get a, a striker on loan. Maybe why it's taking so long. He'll have his ears to the ground and he'll be seeing um, who's available and what, what deals are all to be done. But we're getting into that stage of the season now, Patrick, where it's going to be two games a week a lot of the time. So it can be hard to get these deals done just because there's a lot of football to be played. Yeah, I mean, with what you're saying, uh, you know, game playing twice a week, uh, basically a two-man forward line, both playing with a, a kid with not much of a career behind him. Uh, it isn't enough, unfortunately, uh, and it's quite clear that Dyche likes playing this four-four-two, and we look good with it. We do, we do look solid, um, and and we're scoring goals. So it, we do. I think we should keep the, the shape, but we definitely need a body in. Um, uh, with regards to players to come in, I, I don't know if we, we need someone else to just give us that bit more of a, a physical option, kind of off the ball. So it's. A ball into a channel, you know he's going to get there. You know he's going to win it. You know he's going to kind of hold it up, uh, which especially away from home and with two games a week, that that coming that coming really vital. But I, I I don't see either either front two or Noble being that kind of man. So yeah, we we should we should allow allow Dice to bring someone in now. On that, I think I'd I'd really fancy a, a pacier guy. You know, you could just sort of say, yeah. bring on late and you can run people ragged with like, the energy he's got compared to people who've been on all game. There's still a lack of pace in the squad, I think. We don't really have players who are going to get in behind and stretch teams with their pace. Like Patterson did that a bit, but it wasn't as quick as he used to be. We haven't really replaced him in that sort of sense. So. I, I, personally uh, I think it'd be great to have a... It'd be I great to have like, a new Dimmy Papadopoulos-style player. Yeah, someone with that sort of really explosive pace. That yeah, maybe you can speak English and stay stood up for 10 minutes, but... Yeah, and actually not be say, going away to play for Greece every other week. I never thought I'd hear the words, we need another Dimi Papadopoulos. <laughs> <laughs> I remember seeing Dimi Papadopoulos, actually. One of the only good memories I've got of him. It was a, a League Cup game, I think, at Huddersfield. And he came on... Um, I think he came on late and he scored the winner in extra time. And I think it was Golden Goal. It was when we used to play Golden Goal and we were all just really happy that we were going to be able to go home because it was a horrible day and a horrible game. Um, just a quick point on Leeds as well at the weekend. Obviously, quite a big game for Burnley. Burnley Leeds, expensive tickets again. Um, Patrick, is that going to be one that you're going to be at? You're based in Leeds, aren't you? Well, I'm, I'm going to try my best to uh, to get a freebie. Obviously, being, being based over here in Leeds, I do know quite a few people who do end up getting freebies themselves. Um but I mean, for, for me, it is one of those games that we need to win because I'm going to be turning up to my Sunday league dressing room uh, at kind of half nine, ten o'clock on Sunday morning, and we 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 can't have lost. We really can't have lost because uh, it's not going to be a pleasant place. Uh, neither is work the week after. So uh, we 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 need we need a win. It's not a place where we've had um, well, we haven't had much joy against Leeds recently. They've kind of become 
as as jammy as Blackburn have um, in last minute winners who had those quite a few times. Um, we just we just need to avoid a defeat for me <laughs> personally. I'm sure there's plenty. There's quite a lot of Burnley fans in the Leeds area that will be thinking the same thing. We just had a question on the chat about um, a player called Jesse Lingard from Manchester United, who's been mentioned a couple of times in the press as a possible loan target, but Trail maybe seems to have gone a bit cold on that. We'll try and find out what we can and um, fill you in next week, but I'm not sure there's anything going on on that one at the moment. It'd be an interesting one. He had quite a good pre-season. Um, and Gem has just pointed out that. Um, Another Man United player, Federico Makeda, has just gone to Doncaster on loan. So there, there are players going out on loan to Championship clubs that have done things in the Premier League. So it'll be interesting to see if we can sign that sort of player. Um, we are going to leave it there for today. Thanks for joining us, and um, apologies if we've broken your speakers with the the lorries going past James while he was leaving work there. Um, we'll be back tomorrow night for Known and Ever Live, Burnley against Birmingham City at Turf Moor, and Known and Ever Live as well on Saturday for the trip to Leeds, and the podcast will be back on Monday. The podcast will be up um, on iTunes tomorrow, I think, and if you subscribe, that'll download automatically, and we'll get the link on the site as well, so you can listen again. Um, so thanks to my panel today, Kevin Robinson, Patrick Walton, James Bird, and Andy Devaney. Thanks a lot for everyone for listening, and um, we'll be back next week. Thanks a lot. Bye. Au revoir. Bye. Yes. See you. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.